Welcome to Coffee and Therapy, where we spill the tea on therapy-related topics, sip our favorite coffee, and share our expertise with parents, professionals, clinicians, and anyone who could benefit from a little therapy. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Coffee and Therapy. We are in rare form, full of joy, full of happiness, ready to talk about supervision. And I envision this title being super in capitals, vision, in like lowercase, just so you all know. Love it. Because I didn't drop that in the chat. Um, I feel that. I can feel that. It's super. Supervision yeah. is super. Super. Yeah. Yes. I, it well, can I be think, super. It yeah. Can be super. Something. Frustrating? <laughs> Annoying? Yep. Challenging? Yes. Yeah. And before we hit record, we were talking for quite a while because we just enjoy each other's company. And I guess we'll dive into the thing I kind of brought up beforehand, which was some different personality quizzes and things that I use for my team to really help with supervision. Because I think getting a sense of people's styles how they need leadership, how they accept leadership can be really helpful. So one of them that we were talking about was the Gretchen Rubin Four Tendencies. If you're all not familiar, it's a really easy quiz. We'll put it in the show notes for sure. And it kind of talks about your style in response to work, stress, kind of those things, and how everyone sees situations differently within the world. So there's upholders, questioners, obligers, and rebels and that can just be really helpful to know what persons you have. So Sarah was a, a boss babe and took the quiz while we were talking in our free talk. She's like, I took it. I met the expectation. I, I might be an obliger. I mean, that's yeah. <laughs> that, that might be what that means. But it makes sense that you would be an upholder of like, here's the external expectation. Let me reach it. Yeah. I mean, I... I am absolutely way more motivated by external factors than in, intrinsic ones like if if I tell somebody yeah I'll be at that party I'm like oh I gotta go to that party like I have to I will go even yeah. though every ounce of my being might be like I really don't want to go <laughs> like if I told you I'm going I'm going um yeah. so I feel like that is the part that was like the obliger for me but I'm also yeah. for sure a question like I need things to make sense, make it make sense. If it, if you just give me like an arbitrary rule and, and it doesn't make sense and it doesn't sound logical and don't give me any reason, I am very less likely to follow that. <laughs> like I need yeah. to know why. Make it make sense. And then I'm your girl. I got you. But I need, I need some, yeah. some parameters. <laughs> and for listeners listening, I guess we should give a little more detail of like what these are. If you're an obliger, you tend to need more accountability. So some of that like external, I need you to do this and this is what that looks like. And then uh, questioners, I lost my brain for a second, need that answer to the question of like the justification for why are we doing this? And I think a lot of therapists do tend to be questioners because we want to know why we're working on a skill. And upholders just want to know what should be done. And they're very like intrinsically like, okay, this is what we do. Okay, great. And it's tends to align with a goal. Like an upholder isn't going to do something to reach a goal that's not intrinsic to them. 
And then rebels really want to kind of find their own way and have that flexibility to do it their own way. So if you're listening to this and you're a supervisor, a business leader, a parent, it's good to know kind of what child you have in these tendencies too, because it can help inform how you answer their questions or, or support them a little bit. But those are just one of the things I use to help get a clearer picture of my employees. Is there anything else y'all use? How do I'm you a big store person. this information, Alyssa? Because I, I was thinking about, like, I love going on Canva and I love seeing all the different graphics that they have. And I sort of thought about almost creating a, a visual or an infographic that's like a dating profile where I can just pull up, okay, remind me, what is Alyssa's Enneagram, right? What is all of this in one spot, right? Because as your team well, I have grows, it on my Instagram. <laughs> Are you pulling yeah. up people's Instagrams every time you meet with them? No, yeah. right? So do you, do you store yeah. this info somewhere? Uh, yeah, I guess the, you know, my employees should know this if they're listening. I keep an employee profile on everyone, like in their supervision notes. Uh, we're also big on this is not scientific evidence. It's a little woo-woo, sorry. We're also big on astrology on our team. So I know mm-hmm. like everyone's sun, moon, rising sign, we have everyone like do that. So we get a sense of that. We have everyone tell us their Myers-Briggs if they know it. I don't put them through that testing because that's pretty intense expensive. And, and expensive. Yeah. And- um, and then we have them do the questioner, the four tendencies, sorry, not the questioners. They just tend to be that. Uh, and the Colby index is another one. I don't know if anyone's ever heard of that, but if you run a business, I think the biggest thing I see supervision wise as a business owner for therapists, there are wonderful clinicians who have the best intentions and start private practices, but they're not necessarily business leader savvy. And I feel like that's a big disconnect we see in our world as people bring people on. Sarah's pointing to herself. You can't see. <laughs> but you also don't want employees. And that's, you know, maybe one of the reasons why. Yeah. Um, for sure. You have to be good at like leading and managing and thinking about these things. So Colby is a very corporate America, the Colby Index, corporate America style thing. But it is so telling of the pieces of your team and understanding how people fit fit, foot together. Um, So I I keep all of those things on file to get a sense of like who is what. So I know who I have and who I need. Like if I have a team of questioners, I don't need another one. Um, If I have a team of have who you need and who is just like not going to be a great fit. I feel like those those three pieces are pretty key. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You just have to know what's going to work for you. And um, sometimes you're beholden to who's available, which, you know, is a challenge. And even then getting a sense of what you have. Yeah, thumbs down on that. But getting a sense of what you have can be helpful, too, of like, okay, well, here's how I'm going to approach supervision. Here's how I'm going to approach this leadership style. Um, I just find the Colby really, really helpful for, like, work Mm -hmm. ethic and business. It's also four types. And this is before we hit record. I was – before we hit – the record button. Oh my gosh, my brain today. <laughs> I was like mixing these two up with the Gretchen Rubin, but the Colby has four types of the fact finder, follow through, quick start and implementer. Um, so it helps you know on your team, like who's going to get the answers to the questions? Oh, who's going to start the project, but I've struggles to finish? Yeah, it's a good one. one. Who's going to complete the project? And then who's the implementer? Who like hears something and just immediately is like, oh, and this is how you do that. And they're rare, and I I mean, not to toot my own horn, but I am one of them. Um, And it took me a long time. (laughs) It's important to know 
because I'm like, how come no one else can just do this in their brain and like figure that out? And it's because you have to be an implementer to be able to Mm. hear something and immediately see it and like get the vision and make it happen. Mm. I don't need direction. I don't need answers. I'm just like, you want this? Okay, here's that. And people are like, how'd you do that? I'm like, I just did it. You just do things. Mm. And people are like, oh, no, no, no. I don't, I don't just do things. I need the steps to get there. (laughs) Are these resources all free? So the Colby Index is not free, but it's not super expensive. I think it's like $55 to have an employee take it. It's pretty, pretty mild. And I would say that one just from a business team, if you're a supervisor in any shape or form or capacity, that's really helpful, especially if you have projects on your team. Mm-hmm. Like if your clinicians are just doing therapy and there's right. not really cohesion or group programming or anything additional you're working on, it's unnecessary. But if you're working on like curriculum and things we sell at my company, Dynamic Links, if you're trying to do internships and really build outside things, you need to understand how people work on a project and work on a team together towards yeah. that end goal. Hmm. Yeah. Cool. Highly, highly recommend my favorites. Um, so yeah, I just dove right in with that. Yeah. No, I, I <laughs> yeah, I people can stop listening you. now. Thanks for tuning yeah. in. <laughs> and bye. <laughs> Something I don't use any of the personality tests that Alyssa was talking about, but something, and I, I honestly haven't used this yet, but I took this awesome leadership course with my company. We read through Brene Brown's book, um, Dare to Lead. And one of the things that I really want to do and want to start implementing is kind of diving in with the people that I supervise and talking about their values. Um, I, we did that when we were going through this book and I, when I had identified my values, it helped me to see like what are triggering things to me because they're not aligning with my values. And so I think I need to be doing more of that. Um, but maybe you're a questioner. (laughs) (laughs) I know what, which is, I don't question a lot of things. Shockingly when I I did the test and I, I got the obliger because I am very much motivated by extrinsic things and not, I can't uphold my own goals for myself. I need outward motivation to do that. Um, But I mean, recently I have been questioning a lot of things in my field and figuring out how we can be better. So kind of. I love that answer for you. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Everyone listening. Leaning more towards that. But um, something that we do with my company and I I really want to continue to do it wherever we go, wherever I end up going. Um, I'm not leaving my company. I love it very much, but it's say, are you coming. Are you coming with me? Are we starting an early childhood <laughs> program in Arizona? I mean, you know, I'm down to, I've been down since we talked about dynamic links from the beginning. So yes, I was one of the yes. key players and, you know, thinking about dynamic links. I will say. I won't lie. Cordy was in the car when we made our Instagram page. We were road tripping to Florida. She has been there since the beginning when we made our GoFundMe. She has yep. been a big cheerleader in my corner. Yep. Yes. So whenever you come out to Arizona and, you know, want to take on BCBAs and go that route. Cool. Let's, let's do it. Um, but we do something called, it's just, it's kind of basic, but it's how I want to be coached and then how I coach. And so I go through with my supervisees and my RBTs talking about questions like, what is one thing you need from your coach or your leader? What are your preferred types of communication? Um, what are your hot buttons? What can I expect from you? What are your goals? What are your personal strengths? What are some ways that I can improve your professional goals or whatever? How can I 
support your work performance. So things like that. And then we really dive into, of course, this is very ABA, but um, reinforcement. So like what's motivating for you? Um, do you like getting handwritten notes and letters? Do you like getting shout outs? Do you prefer gift cards? Like those things I think are really important and because it's easy and myself included like it's easy to lose track of like what we're doing sometimes especially when we have a lot of outside events kind of competing for our attention or we're at work and knowing what is motivating to someone and shooting them a little quick like thank you note about how grateful you are for all of the hard work or you know if they do appreciate gift cards hey lunch is on me today or whatever that is um I think it's also like What's your love language? Yes. You know, like, are you a gifts? Are you words of affirmation? Do you want quality time? Like, is just my presence and supervision and that couple extra minutes between session of connection, what is supportive? I mean, I found with work from home and not being in the office much, it was really easy. And I understand why employees want butts in seats, because if someone is quality time and that's what creates that meaningful relationship at work, those 15 minutes between sessions of human connection is critical. Yeah. Like, is that what you need? Do you need, I mean, physical touch can't really do in the workplace. That's a, <laughs> a hard boundary steel wall. Um, but like maybe it is a, a comforting hug, right? Appropriate platonic touch in a way mm-hmm. that can work in the workplace of, right. How do you want to receive this? Mm-hmm. And, what is your leadership style as a supervisor? Yeah. Like my team knows yep. my love language is gifts. Like I'm going to buy you stuff. I am wearing – Noah already knows the teaser. By the time this comes out, my employees have already gotten them. I got everybody Crocs that are the Dynamic Links Cute. pink color. And we're going to have custom logo like giblet inserts oh, coming. Uh, so they're getting them June 4th. So they've already heard this by the time this comes out. <laughs> <laughs> but like it's thing like – they know, like I tell them, like gifts may not be your language, but when I'm giving you a gift, like that means I care. This is how I show. This is how I want to reward you in that behavior or in yeah. that strengths and in that hard work that you've all been putting in. Yeah. Yeah. And what you said earlier, Alyssa, when you said something about how we can sort of have this tunnel vision, right? We can sort of say, well, this is how I do things. So how, why, or how doesn't everyone else do that? I am absolutely that person. I have a very strong orientation. I do things my way. I feel very confident and comfortable in my way. And then when someone else is completely different, I do find myself being like, well, I, I did X, Y, and Z for them. I'm surprised that they didn't notice or, or whatever the case may be. So I think that there's really value to like what you're saying, bringing visibility to not only, hey, let let me learn more about you, but then also saying, here's what you need to know about me, right? So that when I do this, you can understand why I'm doing it. Just like when you do this, I can understand why you're doing that. And when I went to earlier this year, although it's still pretty early, no, it's like mid this year. Earlier this year, I went to a virtual supervision um, conference and one of the presenters was talking about this idea of a social contract that you create between yourself and your supervisee where you say, here's what you can expect from me. Here's what I can expect from you so that you can really make sure both parties are staying true to that commitment you've made to each other sort of speaks to that same idea of that mutual transparency. I think that's really, really, really important because of course there's a power dynamic at play to some degree, but I think you can be in control of how divisive that feels as opposed to those opportunities for collaboration. 
I think that's critical because we talked about in the previous episode of colloquialisms too. And I know, Courtney, you had more to say. So we're I'll send the talking time back to you. Um, but there is inherently a power dynamic at play. And that is just reality of having a boss and an employee relationship. At the end of the day, there is a contingency on that relationship that's not going to change or shift. And I, of course, want to provide the most optimal environment. We talked about that in work-life balance. We're being thoughtful as employers about what we're providing, but understanding there is an expectation that I'm here to supervise and support, but I am also your employer. And I feel like we're because we're trying to shift away from there being a power dynamic, it can be... I feel in some ways detrimental, right? We talked about in the colloquialisms episode of like, when does a word become negative and we cancel it versus try to reframe or reshape it. And I feel like this power dynamics or employer-employee saying team member instead of staff is just frustrating. Noah just held up um, some delicious Ben and Jerry's as well for our listeners. Um, She's going to eat some brownie batter core Bennett and Jerry's while we... (laughs) Everyone's yes, laughing at me. Yes, yes, I am. <laughs> That's amazing. What, is, what does that mean about how you feel about this topic, Noah? Yeah, <laughs> are you, you like passionate? Are you haven't been brought up the ice cream yet. I need, I need some sugar to power me through. There you go. Fair. Yeah, I, I love I, it. I think it's 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 really complicated, and if this I think could be its own topic. This idea of how to supervise employees when you run the business. You're also a practicing music therapist like them. So you are in a lot of ways on on equal footing. But recognizing that there is just a strange dynamic at play, which complicates being able to provide what I think to be more traditional clinical supervision, because I'm also the person who sets their salary. I'm the person who they're probably griping about when things are tough at work. Yeah, it's it's tricky. Which is fair and valid yeah. to them. That yeah, that dynamic just seems like so confusing, not only for for the employee but confusing for you. I mean, you have to sort of in one room in one session sort of keep switching your hats like <laughs> multiple multiple times because it's hard. Each different thing requires a different answer coming from a different perspective and it's just that sounds really awful and I don't want to do that. I mean, it's what I will say has helped me feel grounded, even in those moments, which I'm just going to be honest, there's, there's uncomfortable moments. And I am someone who, when, when I supervise you, I will say in the moment, like this feels uncomfortable, right? I will absolutely label that emotion and we'll, we'll maybe laugh about it uncomfortably together. Right. But, um, what, what has helped me is, this past year, like Courtney said, myself and my two business partners revisited our own values work individually and as a company. And we looked at our company values that we set when we opened eight years ago and we're like, why haven't we really looked at this? It's, it is high time for us to make sure this is still accurate. And we revamped it from top to bottom. And anytime I'm doing anything with any when I'm supervising, I make sure that I am tying everything back to our values. And I will like cite it in the moment, right? When I make a mistake, one of our company values is that we take ownership of our stuff. <laughs> that is, that is the way that we, we label it. And I'm okay. like, you know what? I did make you feel this way, or I am the reason that this happened. I will take complete ownership of that. That is on me. I apologize. Right. So, 
those moments for, for various reasons can be uncomfortable. But I think what Courtney is getting at is when you have a clear sense of why you do what you do and when you act in a way that is really authentic and you believe in that 1000%, it's going to make those really tricky situations, although still tricky, at least when they're done, you can say, I have no regrets about how I handled that, right? Even if the outcome wasn't what that other person was hoping for, I can look back at that and say, I, I don't have any qualms with, with what happened. It, it, it is what it is. Yeah, I love that. And I think I've had to have some pretty difficult conversations with some of my staff that I supervise, as I'm sure you guys have as well. And knowing that I set the stage with, um, or laying this foundation with, you know, really getting to know them as much as possible, getting to know what they need from me, um, that A, helps me approach those difficult conversations. And then B, exactly like you said, Noah, like, I know that I said everything I could. I know that I did everything that I could. I'm not sitting there, you know, thinking like, well, what if I didn't approach it the right way? But I, I, I feel pretty confident that I did because I know them and I know their style because we talked about it. I know how they like to take feedback. I know how they don't like to take feedback, you know? So I think you hit it right on the head, really. Yeah. And I think too, it comes down to knowing your why, I think I, I talk about this on my Instagram a lot when I'm like, it's 11 p.m. and I'm just ranting about life. Um, if you know your why and you're true to that in whatever capacity that can be realistic for you, it's a lot easier to follow through with that and feel congruent. And if you're a business owner too, that why is your vision statement and your mission statement. So if there's a question that comes up, if you don't have those clearly set, I highly recommend setting a clear thing that you ingrain to your team on a repeated basis and reference and say, and here's why. Like our vision statement is more important, I feel, to my team than our mission statement. Our mission is to, to serve the wonderful people that we serve. Our vision statement is actually uh, borrowed from Johnson & Johnson's vision statement where my mom worked for many, many years and it was truly a wonderful company and informed a lot of the leadership style she instilled in me. I mean, shout out to my mom. I wouldn't be the leader I am without her being a crazy, awesome, amazing lady who also enrolled me in all these leadership programs and trainings and did all these things. So yay, mom. Um, but their mission statement is our first duty is to our customer, right? So our first duty at Dynamic Links is to our client and the people we support. Our second duty is to our employees, so the people that make up our team. If we do that well, we will be profitable and we will succeed. So when something's going on, if I feel like a team member isn't fulfilling the duties as expected, well, what's happening? Is it a disservice to the client? Okay, then I can go right back to the vision statement and say, remember, I get that it might be hard to show up right now. We have to figure out how we can be consistent for our client because our first duty is to them. My next duty is to you. If it's your well-being and something we need to adjust, then we need to figure out the schedule. We need to figure out what we're doing. We need to figure out if we're flexing you somewhere else because we have to first and foremost give our best to that consumer and customer and client. If we're doing all those things, the system should work efficiently and it has for six years and allowed us to grow. Um, but I think setting that clear intention of why are we here? What does that look like from a business perspective? If you run a therapeutic private practice or a school or anything, early childhood center, you know, what is our purpose here? So you always have that to fall back on. So for listeners who might be having 
these two questions. I will put these out there and then we can attack them however we feel is best. (laughs) Number one, how do I find my why? Number two, just slipped out of my head. So let's start with number one. (laughs) (laughs) It's the Ben and Jerry's coma. Oh, it's the, oh it's the, God. it's the sugar is real. I, wow. Could it be, how um, do true. I know what my values are? Because I was wondering, I, I was, was hearing that. as, as Courtney, I think it was as oh, you were talking. Yes. Yeah. Is that, go ahead. Well, and, it, and it's like, how do I know what I'm looking for in a supervisor? So yeah. I, I think that they're all oh, interconnected. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Cause I was listening to you, Courtney, and I was thinking to myself, with with all of these, even with some of the things that you were talking about, Alyssa, like this requires a great deal of insight and self-awareness yeah. and introspection. Oh, and yeah. these are all skills that are not natural for, for many, many people. And you have oh. to learn how to be insightful and uh, self-aware. <laughs> and yep. and yep. that's very, very difficult. So Noah, to your point, for the listeners, if you're thinking like, yeah, this is great, but where do we start or how do I do this or how do I even know this or this doesn't apply to me because I don't know what they're talking about. I think that's a really great place to start answering some of those questions. So, yeah, do some inner work and I'm going back to like the leadership um, academy that I did with my work. Like I said, we we part of it was digging into the Dare to Lead by Brene Brown. And that whole book is really about inner work. And it was heavy. Like it was an emotional time when I was meeting with my leadership cohort. Um, Like, and a lot of this stems back from, I mean, like what you were saying, Alyssa, like your mom taught you. A lot of this stems back from us when we were younger, experiences that we've had, maybe experiences that we've had with a supervisor. It could be negative or positive. That helps us build into A, the leader we want to be, and B, the supervision that we provide to others. And if we want to be a quality supervisor, you're right. Like we need to find our why, but we need to do inner work to be able to even get there, you know, cause then going back to some of the other stuff that we've talked about, we're not going to be able to see other people for who they are. If we can't even recognize in ourselves like why I'm doing this this way or why I'm doing that that way, because we need to be able to see this in the people that we supervise the ins and outs of them and why they might be doing something one way and not the other way that maybe, you know, we would have done things is because they've had different experiences and we need to take that time to learn, to get to know them, but we need to learn ourselves first. Yeah. I think that responsibility, like you're saying too, because to answer Noah's first question, like it falls on the supervisor of if you're going to a company as a prospective employee, ask their why. Like, what is their mission? What is their vision? Because that responsibility falls on you as the business owner, private practice owner, of relaying that to your employees and your team clearly and consistently so they know that why. Because I don't think the why is necessarily the responsibility of the person who is seeking maybe their first time job ever of like, you may not know your why yet, but you may hear something and be like, oh yeah, that resonates with me. Or like, oh, hard no, bye, not going there. Um, And that's cool too. Like, I think that's really important to know. Um, And like you're saying, Courtney, it's, it's our duty to, to do these things. Like I was raised going to leadership academies, like as a kid all the time, like I was in like 
leadership training camps. I don't know. My mom put me in all these, all these things all the time. I was in modeling school, not to become a model, but to gain self-confidence and like to learn how to like hold myself in a room and how to carry myself in a way that brought that power and confidence and enthusiasm from my body to my brain. Um, so I think like I was really like groomed is the wrong word. I was created (laughs) to do this. Um, and I think, I mean, even like hearing you ask the question and reflect on it, like, dang, yeah, like it's been 30 plus years of work to get to this point, to be able to be a strong leader and think of all these things. Like, no, I was like, how do you think of this? I was like, I don't know. It just comes to my brain. It just, I don't know. It's just there. Um, but it is, it's this inner place. Maybe um, we can drop some resources in the <laughs> I can do that. The no. show notes. Because there there are some books too for folks yes. who like yeah. to read an old fashioned book, listen to it however you consume your your literature. Yeah. I think there are some good reads we could probably a lot, add. yeah. A lot of and I think all these quizzes that you're saying too, I think the Brene Brown Dare to Lead, that is that's a great one. Um another book I use that I got from my mother, yay. Hillary Wilkins, mom, <laughs> um, is called <laughs> The Six Thinking Hats. So knowing how people on your team think and kind of teaching them the six hats. There's like a yellow hat, a black hat, a red hat, and teaching them the ways we're thinking about solving problems. Um, that's a really good one to like shift mm. perspectives and get out of people's heads if they're mm. stuck. I know, Noah, you went through a fantastic training because I saw it on the fly, and I won't reference where or when because that then people will know what it was. But um, I watched Noah like in a meeting really coax someone out of their shell who was really uh, resistant and not engaged. And you could tell just like in shutdown and like mm, very just like, uh, I don't know, I want to do that. And like in two minutes, Noah did some like, hmm, I think you'd be really successful at this. And like just completely switched. And the person was like, yeah, I'm going to do this. And then they followed through on all of these things. And I was like, dang, Noah. So what training was that? Yeah. <laughs> the training called life. <laughs> I I don't know. You know, I really so much of what I have learned, I've learned because I had to. I guess I have learned by virtue of surviving as a business owner. Looking back before going into owning a business, running a business and managing employees, I definitely should have learned more, done more, (laughs) enrolled in the 30 years of classes apparently that Alyssa just took for all of us. But uh, yeah, I don't know. The school of hard knocks. I, 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 that is not a specific training I can attribute it to, but I think really knowing who I am, knowing how I tend to be, I know that I am incredibly direct. One of my personal mantras, mottos is clear is kind because I, I do truly believe that, but my delivery is very specific and it's not for everyone. And I'm continuing to have to remember that. And when I find that my delivery just does not work well, I've started to, maybe it's the fact that we're clinicians. It's almost like I am 
studying behaviors. I'm studying what happens when when this happens, how does someone else react, right? That, that cause and effect relationship. When I start to see some of those things start to happen, that's when I say, okay, I need to shift out of this. I need to shift into this. This person is needing this type of language, this type of approach, this type of space, this type of volume, right? All of the things that go into our therapeutic decision-making, I think I've just started applying honestly, to, to my supervision. And I, I never, when I am doing therapy, something that is also really important to me is that Noah in therapy is Noah everywhere else. I, I don't have like subsets of myself in different places. So even though maybe I'm thinking like a therapist and like this is a therapist client dynamic when I'm not with a client, when I'm supervising, I think that I'm still drawing very authentically for myself and I'm I'm replicating this idea of how can I support you? You're coming to me in, in some way needing some sort of support. So I'm using the same observational skills, indicators, and then making those adjustments in the same way. Does, does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I think it speaks to question two, which Sarah and you kind of like got towards of like, what are your values of here's what's important to me and here's my authentic self and here's what that looks like when I show up in supervision. And I think being true and clear about that, like Courtney, you were saying of like, how do I show up and how do you show up? Setting that expectation from the beginning. Like you said, I'm straightforward. That's not for everybody. Mm-hmm. That may just be how it is too. Like if that doesn't work for you, this may not, this relationship might not work because I am also being authentic. Of course I can switch and flex expectations and shape shift and give that person guidance, especially if they're a team member that I'm like, this is so important and valuable that you're part of the why and I need to do that. But I think also saying like, here's how I deliver it. It's not mean. It's not cold. I'm being clear, consistent, and straightforward with my language because I want to make sure that you're getting the best you can and growing and developing and changing. And that's a value to you and understanding what's a value to them can help align with that. And how do you find those was the question you asked, Sarah. And I think a tangible resource I'm thinking of, and I don't know, Courtney, how you found it in your leadership training, but there's also another quiz called the strengths finder. Oh yeah. And it feels like the strengths finder might align too with your values. If your strength is, you know, confidence or woo or power, like that connection, that enthusiasm. If you're a woo person, one of my top strengths is woo. Like I can go into a room and sell ice to an Eskimo, right? I can read the room and I can woo you. But that's because human connection, fun, joy, excitement are like core values to me. If I'm not having fun, I'm I'm not going. Um, I'm not an obliger in that way. Like if it's not going to be a good time, I'm not here for it. Um, at work, in life, in whatever capacity, Uh, So I think that can be a resource to find that value and to understand that. But I think it's also some of that work for our supervisees that we have to reflect on them of, you know, that work-life balance and and what comes in and and what is critical to you. What are your goals too? What aligns with that? What is your motivation to be here? Why is that important to you? What does that look like for you? And what are some of those words, adjectives, describing things that can, can help us understand so we can align in that way. Something I've done that at first people giggled and then they said, oh, actually, actually I sort of like that. And then I saw them later on their own social media saying, oh, I 
came up with this idea and I sort of laughed because I'm like, well, no, you didn't, but that's okay. You don't have to give me credit. It's okay. Is they were looking, I, I always advise anyone that I'm supervising to also be enrolled in their own therapy journey, right? I make really clear what I am here to do, what I am not qualified to do, right? I'm, I'm very forthcoming about the things that I feel comfortable doing, I feel very comfortable doing. And the things outside of that, I don't feel comfortable because I know there's someone who's actually going to do that far better than I can. One of them being providing actual therapy. So um, I've had I've had folks say, well, I, how do I even know where to begin finding a therapist? So I would say that the same thought process probably applies to finding a supervisor. As I've said, and this is what's funny, create a dating profile for a therapist right? Yes. What, what are, what are your non-negotiables? Yeah. Think, when you think about dating, like maybe something as well, they can't, I don't know, be a loud chewer or a smoker, right? Whatever the case may be. Your therapist is probably not going to be loud chewing or smoking, but in that same way, just knowing what are those things that I absolutely cannot have in a therapist? Maybe it's like, I can't have a supervisor who smiles and nods and lets me go on and on and on and on. Or I can't have a supervisor who's really direct with me. I need a supervisor who's going to know how to be delicate and balance my extreme emotions with telling me what I need to hear and also what I need to, right, whatever that is. So what are your non-negotiables? What are your must-haves? Must-haves, right? And then it's been a while since I've been on a dating profile, but um, just giving them a place to start. Cause I think with all of these bigger topics that we're, we're talking about tonight, I can totally see how someone listening might be like, this, this sounds great, but you need to tell me where to start because I'm so overwhelmed by all of this. I'm interested, but I have, I feel, I feel paralyzed by my fear of not knowing where to start. Can I just say Noah though? Like, I feel like you already hit on a good place to start is like just being you like show up, be you do some internal digging like we were talking about like when you were talking about just being your authentic self like that's me that's actually one of my values that I, that I identified I am the same Courtney to my friends to my parents to my clients to my the people that I supervise like just start there ask for feedback I think too and then learn and grow from there I don't know like I I didn't supervise anybody as part of my supervision. And so when I came to my current job, I just dove in and was like, okay, now I'm supervising RBTs. And then I got thrown into, which I love, to start supervising residents, as we call them, which are people who are in their master's program, accruing their hours, getting ready to prepare to sit for their BCBA exam. I didn't know what I was doing, but I showed up and I was myself. And I went through the Leadership Academy, which helped, and it helped me build on some of the things, recognize, A, some of the things I was doing already, which was cool. It made me feel good. And then B, helped me identify things that I needed to, you know, maybe start doing. And you just kind of, like, learn as you go. I think, well, yes, supervision, like, we all have, you, I think, Alyssa, you and Noah have way more experience than myself and potentially Sarah. But, you know, you guys had to start somewhere, and starting somewhere was just kind of diving in so I just don't want people to like be afraid of it I also one of the things I was able to reflect on was like seeing when you think of or think of a supervisor you think of like this big tall tough leader this is my my thoughts 
reflecting back on that. Someone who's maybe like kind of nasty or rude and like, like black and white, you need to hold to these very clear Sorry, expectations. did we work the same place, Courtney? <laughs> Not, I don't know. Did we? <laughs> but like, yeah, that is, that's what I think about. And I was like, well, that's not me at all. Like, no way, Jose. I'm not a black and white thinker. I'm very much gray. I show up my authentic, my show up in my authentic self. And I don't know, just like, don't be afraid to try. And then we've all gone through these courses. We've all read these books. We've all, you know, made mistakes potentially and, and grown from them. And I think just starting and showing up and being you is, I mean, to me is one of the best. best but places. wouldn't you yeah. say, Courtney, that that's probably to some degree paired with some level of confidence. And I'm saying that because so many folks in supervision have talked about this idea of imposter syndrome, right? So if someone oh, is yeah. still finding who they are, <laughs> stepping into a role where they're providing supervision, they have to feel self-assured maybe is, is a better word. Yeah. To, to a degree. So, so how... How do you advise that person where you're like, oh, well, just, you know, dive into it, which I think is a, I think is a very valuable, and and I agree. So what do you think about that? Can I piggyback a question question. too to Courtney? I'm wondering too, I'm curious, because this might be a bet, a good place to start that of, do you find this discussion around imposter syndrome a lot in your field in ABA? Oh, Yes. Okay. 110%. Okay. Yes, that was me to a T. It still is me. I came into my role as a BCBA with two very experienced supervisors who seemed into my world. They seemed to know literally everything, um, which was scary. And I will admit my supervision wasn't the best. Um, I think there's some of some things. I loved my supervisor, so I'm not going to see anything negative about that. But there are some things that I wish that we could have dove into a little bit more. Um, So I definitely felt incompetent in a lot of the areas in my role. Um, Supervision, again, like I said, being one of them. And so I think I felt comfortable stepping into my job. I'm circling back to your question, Noah, and I sort of yours, Alyssa. Um, I felt comfortable stepping into this role because the way that my company is laid out is I have a direct supervisor or coach who's our clinical director and our clinical director needs to be in that role if they have a lot of years of experience, many. And so I felt comfortable knowing that this person was going to be there to support me in whatever came my way that I didn't get quality supervision in. Um, And so you know, if you aren't fortunate to have that, then maybe, you know, again, like Noah was challenging what I was saying, maybe then you need to do the internal work and reach out to, I know there's people like called like, I don't know if they're called like job coaches or something where, you know, they might help you learn about what it is to be a good supervisor and a good leader. Um, Cause I certainly had that. And, and my, supervisor at my current company that I had before she unfortunately left. Um, She was literally the best supervisor I've ever had in my life. And what she did without me even really knowing and without pushing me either, she helped me build my confidence astronomically, seemingly overnight. 
Um, and that to me was a great model of a great leader and having her in my life really pushed me to see, I like that she did this. I like that she did that. She was modeling all these things. So then I was able to pull those things that she was modeling and now use those in my supervision as well. And part of that being Alyssa, like you were saying, knocking down some of that imposter syndrome, like my resident that I'm working with right now, I'm really trying to build up her confidence. She's on the right track. She has been since the day that I started working with her. And I really try to help her see that from the get-go because I wasn't given that when I was a supervisee. And so that's something that I'm really trying to instill in her. But I had to learn that as well. So, And I think that's something I forget a lot of, you know, one of our interns was like, what I need from you all is like for you to be my cheerleader. Of course, hold me accountable and teach me, but I need you to hype me up. And I think that can be really helpful. And I think for people who aren't in the structure that Courtney's in, that's very corporate, right? Like ABA is very corporate. It's one of the detriments of it's a high capitalism moneymaker in a sense of we can bill all these hours. So we have all these tiers of people. We've been around for a long time. What's very consistent. Um, so you have people at the top and you have this trickle down of true leadership, whereas in music therapy or even private practice of social work like Sarah or licensed clinical professional counselors, there's not that, right? You don't have a supervisor who reports to a supervisor who reports to a supervisor. You have you flying solo, the supervisor you maybe pay out of pocket for to get to your LCPC or LCSW from your grad degree. And then you have someone who runs the company like Noah and I, who's really your business manager and your clinical supervisor combined into one. So my advice would be too, if you can't get in a company that has that clear structure, which I do think has really good elements to it, right? Like I think this corporate structure that we're lacking in therapy can sometimes be our detriment of there's not clear up chain of who do I go to for this? Who solves this problem? Who's in charge of this? Because without that, that's where it falls apart. The responsibilities fall on the wrong people. And I see it happening day in and day out with all of the companies I collaborate and work with. They can't retain staff. They don't have a clear end goal because there's no up chain. And there does have to be a little bit of that. So if you don't have that and you're like, I need help to be a good supervisor and to build those skills and I don't want to pay for all these leadership classes and I didn't do these things, I think to find the people that you admire, right? Like when you're building your company and your website, the number one advice from a marketing perspective is find the websites that you like, find the designs you like, find the branding that works for you, find the marketing that makes you want to buy and consume. The same can go for leaders and supervisors that you look up to. Find people who you're motivated by, who you're drawn towards and see if they supervise. And if they don't, ask if they have friends that they could recommend because those might be the people you can gravitate towards. And then if you're the person who's just looking to have a good supervisor because you don't know where to start, because I think, Noah, too, that was a question of these newer clinicians, of their imposter syndrome. They don't have that supervisor. The same thing. Like, find these people who are out there. I mean, I'll, I'll plug myself. I supervise. Like, I have AlyssaStone.co on the side as a clinical supervision company, and I have supervision clients outside of my work because I don't, I don't do enough things already or anything. Um, everyone's like laughing on the call. But I love it because there I get to be just a supervisor. I'm not your boss. I get to just be straightforward. And if I don't resonate with someone, totally fine. 
feel free to find somebody else that does resonate with you. That's great. Like it, I, I'm not taking it as a knock to me because I'm going to show up and be like, here's how it is. I was on one of those supervision calls and I was like, sorry if this is some tough love, but like, here's what you got. And she was like, no, this is great. It's what I need. Um, so try to find those people. I'm, you know, Noah doesn't really have the bandwidth right now, but maybe one day she'll be supervising people and you could reach out to her if you're like, dang, she sounds cool and great. Um, and she sounds stressed. The face like <laughs> lots of sugar. That is also true. That is also true. We can yeah. we can share Ben and Jerry's. It's fine. I'm yeah. willing to share. I'm willing to share. Yeah. The Facebook groups can be a place to go. They can be a scary place to go. Of like, who does supervision? Because you're gonna get everybody knows. Like, don't do it. Uh, I think finding the qualities that you desire and reaching out to those people is probably your best mo. And it's the same thing I do. For, for any sort of development for myself, what do I see that I want to be? Can I get to know that person? And how do I get there? Because it's not, I'm not good enough or I'm not accomplished as that, per, as accomplished as that person. It's okay. What did they do to get there? And how can I do the same? Cause that's what I want. And like, that's what I try to teach my team of if this is what you want, let's get there together. What do we need to help you succeed? Do you want to do improvisational music therapy? Cool. I don't do that. Here's a training. Go. Learn that skill. Add this arsenal to your strategy list. We need that. Or add the strategy to your arsenal. Oh, my gosh. It is late, y'all. And I don't have ice cream. <laughs> yeah. That's a lot. I know Sarah's been real quiet because she's like, I don't supervise people and I don't get supervision. Sorry, y'all. I know. I, like <laughs> I mean, I've gotten so much in my career. You know, I think that's I, – I was thinking to myself, actually, <laughs> as I was not talking, um, <laughs> you know, like, I wonder if if it would be even helpful for our listeners to even kind of say what what supervision even is in this field because – I realize that this is not something that other fields even have. Um, and, and it's something that's so important and so integral to what we do. And it's such a huge part of the work that we do. Um, you know, we start out, I, well, I can speak for myself as a, as a social worker. In graduate school, we had our internships, unpaid, of course, but we had internships and in those internships, <laughs> in our internships, we had supervisors and then you graduate and then you get a job and you get licensed and then you have a supervisor. <laughs> and then in order to obtain the, the level of licensure that I have in LCSW, you need to accrue, um, they, they keep changing. But when I was licensed in New York, it was 3000 hours of uh, client contact and, uh, I forget how many logged hours of clinical supervision. I had to meet with a clinical supervisor every week until the end of time. Um, and I had supervision as part of my, my role as well. So I was, I was being doubly supervised at that time. So it's all something, the supervised, all the supervision I've had it all. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's really intense. It, it's, it's sort of a thing where you, you get guidance on, the techniques that you're using, you do sort of case conceptualizations, you talk about clients and different uh, things that you're encountering with your different clients, things that you're struggling with, things that you are doing well or hopefully doing well, plans for treatment plans. And, um, you know, you're really kind of being guided in the work that you do. I don't know how you guys do it. For me, it was 
mostly on a weekly basis um, for all the different variations of it. Um, and that's something that I that is unique to this field. I, I don't know of any other field, not that I know a ton about other fields, but um, I don't know that I know of any other field that has that much supervision included in it. I would say it's sort of like akin to, as it's a weird analogy, like a blacksmith or a tailor. Like to do the job, you have to do the job. You have to right. be hands-on and learning it. And I think that's right. the hardest thing. And teaching people about therapists is like some of it just is the experience. Like you need those years. And that's why supervision is so critical because you're really an apprentice. You're learning yeah. from someone who's shaping you. For us, it's different. Um, we still have a minimum number of hours to complete as music therapists for our internship. And then that requires weekly supervision. But then once we're certified, we're certified and there is no requirement for ongoing supervision, but there's an expectation of ongoing supervision. And when people are looking to join a therapy team for no, I don't know if it's the same for you. Like a question I get asked by potential employees is what does supervision look like? How much am I supervised? What is that support like? It's an expectation, even though it's not an expectation by our field, which is so interesting. Yeah, we say it up front. One of our company values is we learn and grow together. That's specifically how it's framed and phrased. So that has been feedback that we've received, especially in the the latest kind of slew of, of applicants for open positions is that's been really appealing is they, they are people who are craving lots of feedback. We have one-to-one, we have small group, we have peer, we have lots of different options, some of which are options, some of which are required. So mm-hmm. yeah, but, but weekly, weekly yes, especially for our first yeah. year therapist weekly. Yes. Yeah. I think it's good, Sarah, that you asked to clarify that too. I'm like, dang, should I chunk this and put it at the beginning of like, hey, what's supervision? We just dived right into tests and things and leadership styles and all that jazz instead of being like, and we're talking about supervision. This is what it looks like. No, no, I think you're good. I can I can always throw it in at the beginning as a teaser instead. Um, I get to be a teaser. You get to be a teaser. Sarah's always the teaser on our Instagram. She comes with hot takes. You were the one this week, uh, which is a couple weeks ago by the time people are hearing this. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, supervision in our field is such a necessary requirement that it looks so different versus being the boss. But when you're the boss, it's also that business component. And for our field, like it's not required. There's no standards. So when we're like, what are your values? What are your why? What does this look like? It's like, oh, we have zero expectations of what this should look like that are standardized across the board. And maybe they should be higher ups in the above positions. Maybe that's a good expectation that you have when you're looking for a job. Like, do you guys have supervision? Is that even a thing here? Yeah. Um, On the flip side, our supervision is very, uh, how do I say it? Very clearly outlined. (laughs) regimented yes thank you for all those words yes um very clear expectations from both us as a supervisor and from the supervisee we have to sign supervision contracts we have to very similar to what all three of you were talking about there's our hours requirements and within those hours requirements there's um 
different types of exposures that the supervisees are required to have. Um, we have like unrestricted hours, which are essentially um, doing like behind the scenes work, assessments, program writing, things like that. And then we have restricted, which are like directly related to like working with a client and you can only have so many unrestricted and restricted. And then we have group supervision and then we have concentrated field work. It's <laughs> it's even too much for me. I'm overwhelmed. It, I'm yeah. Overwhelmed. I need a break. Uh, yeah. And that's why we have like one supervisor expert who just like knows all the ins and outs so I'm like I'm gonna go to her if I have any questions because it's just like whoosh, like so much way over my head and it's just like a little too much but I get Which it like but a call back to our black and white thinking behaviorism edition and we called this out then too like I know that is not happening across the board with ABA companies there's no way like, and I've yep. talked to people excuse me about it and it's it's impossible for the number of clinical hours. I believe it for yours, but this is the, that's the fall apart, right? When there's not those clear things, that's where the detriment happens to the mm-hmm. client across the board. Like let's take the onus off of one therapy profession, but even on music therapy, right? We know there's so many not wonderful music therapists. I'll, I'll be really nice about it. And I think that's the exact reason is there is no structure or regiment to that and then there is no follow-through right and no one is beholden to anyone and no one is has this standardized level of of care and quality checks across the board and like no and i are creating companies where that's a value to us of having the best clinicians delivering the best services that are evidence-based that are you know really structured in that way and cared for and supervised um so on one side like that regiment is ideal because we need that. But on the flip side, it seems like too much. And then that's unrealistic of the companies. Like, I don't know that I could deliver that much supervision. Like I would need seven of me and I can't bill for seven of me. So that's. Well, and I will say like, I mean, and, and when I talk about supervision, this podcast in general, I'm talking about two things. I'm talking about a of my RBTs and B separately of my supervisees who are in their master's program going through that to become behavior analysts um that we talked about this before i'm not going to go too much into detail but like the supervision requirement just for rbts is five percent of their client's dosage and so like that's different whereas like my my resident she requires like a lot more from me and that's what i was talking about with all those like unrestricted restricted all that stuff yeah and again it's just like it's a lot to keep track of but it is important. And again, like thinking in our field, like all of these things are very clearly outlined for a reason, but like shit still happens and people yep. still don't follow. Oh, for <laughs> sure. I mean, it's, like, it's, it's a real, real as much real as thing. we said, like we can't throw behaviorism out the window because it's human nature to understand behaviorism. And that's the thing is we are humans. There is human error. There's lack of human follow through. There's this breakdown in what style of leadership and what style of employee are you? So without those things, we still have to give that grain of human error. It doesn't matter how much we deliver, how qualified we are to, for anyone listening who's like, I do all these things and there's people involved. We can't expect outcome A to happen every time. Outcome Deltacron, right, like is going to (laughs) happen. Yes. Uh well, we're giggling because we're all just saying crazy things to each other in the chat, like like we do. It's 
it's late for some of us. And by some of us, I mean, it's me. But in closing, because I, I don't know how much, I think maybe my sugar, my sugar rush is now going. But we're also hitting our hour mark. You're are. good. It's perfect timing. Sugar also, Alyssa rush. is in pitch black. Yeah, I can't hear it all. The sun has set. She went from being in the sun to. Yeah. yeah. Complete I love it. Yeah, I'm just in the darkness and my computer is going to die. I, I think, I think this is our sippable moment here is. anyone and everyone should be in supervision or therapy or whatever your professional equivalent is, because we all owe it to ourselves to check ourselves. You got to check yourself, right? A great supervisor is going to be your biggest cheerleader and also your clearest critic. I'm not going to say harshest. They're going to be very clear with you. For you to truly get what you deserve out of supervision, you have to allow yourself to be open to those uncomfortable moments. I am, yeah. I'm also willing to say if supervision for you that you think is quote, the, what you need is someone who is going to smile and nod and pacify you, that is serving you in some way, but it's serving you in some way as opposed to multiple ways. So if I can impart anything upon anyone, it's find yourself that person who's going to operate on all parts of that spectrum because you deserve that. And if you're going to be a clinician, especially, or be in a role where you are responsible for the care and support of someone else, you have to constantly be checking yourself. No one plateaus. Yeah. We should always be learning and growing. And the second that we don't do that, we are not serving anyone else, and we're definitely not serving ourselves. That's Boom. that's my mic drop. Thanks, Rob. There it is. Love it. I love Zing. it. Zing. Yep. I think it's great. Yeah. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. True. Or wreck your team. Or wreck your yes. team. Yes. Or wreck your clients. Yes. <laughs> don't, yes. do that don't don't wreck the <laughs> And if you're <laughs> don't, don't wreck anybody. If you're looking for more supervision ideas, I'll put these in the show notes as well. Uh, Bonnie from the Navigating Adulthood and IDD podcast did a whole supervision series. One of the guests was Jennifer Hicks, who's a music therapist and had some really good insights from that music therapy perspective. We'll definitely put all those tests, some additional book recommendations in the show notes. So if you're looking for resources, find them there. And if you're looking for a great supervisor, Feel free if you're if you're interested in one of us, connect with us and we'll see how we can help you or who we might be able to direct you to. Because I think, you know, I'd rather have you ask and me point you to someone who can support you than you not ask at all. So thank you for listening to all of this. I think this is just such an incredibly purposeful and meaningful topic for us. And stay tuned. Listen to everything thus far. And uh, we can't wait for you to tune in again soon. For now. Bye. <laughs> For now. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Coffee and Thera Tea. Keep the conversation flowing and follow us over on Instagram at Coffee and Thera Tea. Questions, thoughts, ideas? Email us, coffeeandtherapy at gmail.com. We can't wait for you to listen in again soon.